Amen. I want to invite you to have a seat. Church, are you awake? And I don't just mean that your eyes are open. I mean, are you awake to the fact that Christ is in you and He's alive? That's what we're going to be talking about in just a minute in Ephesians. But before we do that, are you awake to the fact that God is at work in you and through you and in us? I want to tell you about a couple things. Number one, my fashion statement this evening. You may have seen this shirt floating around. I want to tell you that I am stone strong, girl. Yeah, look at him. Look at, let me see them biceps again, girl. Woo! There you go. Listen, if you want one of these shirts, not just because they look cool, but they are $10 and every dime of them goes to support our dear brother and sister Aaron and Amanda Stone as they continue to be strong and we pray for strength in the Lord as they uh, enter into this season of, um, of uh, her illness in this time. So God is at work in her and through her, and we're trusting and knowing that his strength goes with her. So you can still order a shirt. Who do we talk to? Kara? Yes? Talk to Kara. So talk to Kyle about a garage sale. Talk to Kara about a shirt. God is in us, working in us. Are you awake? I want to tell you another incredible story of how God is at work. How many of you in this room went to El Paso with us at the beginning of the year? Yes? Rock and roll. We did some good work. We built a shed. But God did better work. And after we had to throw out a lot of food that is served to alcoholics and prostitutes and those in jail and Juarez and the least that are in need... God did really great work, and the day after we left, He got an incredible call and a donation that replenished everything that we had to throw away. God did some really great work when we saw Caesar's truck that He would drive every day across the border to Juarez to serve the least, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to feed the hungry. And we said, bro, this truck, I don't think it's going to cut it. You're going much faster and rocking and rolling than this truck. And so we said, what can we do about it? And we said, we need to give him a truck. And so this church set out to raise $2,000, but this church totally blew it. They raised $3,000, man. So, you know, what are we going to do? Well, we got to fix up the truck, and then we got to ship it out 10 hours to El Paso. And so we were going to send it out. Bud had been working and wheeling and dealing with these crazy truck transport people. And we got a phone call on Thursday from Jared Kemper that said, hey, you're never going to believe this. Um, Caesar's truck is finally going kaput. When's that truck coming? And we said, don't spoil the surprise, but it's going to come on Saturday. And today, at 4 o'clock, he got a surprise of a lifetime when that truck rolled up to his house. He didn't have to go out to the car dealership. He didn't have to go spend money. He didn't have to go to the auto parts store. And he didn't have to go and try to get it to limp along another day. That truck arrived. Carla sent me a text that he was speechless. Carlos showed me a post from Raquel where in 2014, on June 25th, she said, Lord, Caesar needs a truck to do ministry. Caesar needs a truck to do ministry in Juarez. She prayed that prayer on June 25th, 2014, and right as that other truck goes, God uses this little church and this little timing to give him that truck. And so now what she does in her prayer journals is she writes out her request, and when God comes through, 
And when she's awake to him at work, she circles that prayer and she posted a picture of a circled prayer and a truck sitting at their place. Thank you, church. And thank you, God. He is at work. He is powerful. And we need to recognize this. Are you awake? It's incredible. Thank you. So, amen. Amen. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 3. And I'd like to hear the word of the Lord now. It's a new translation. Hear the word of the Lord and we'll talk about how God is at work in incredible ways. Would you just take a moment and maybe bow your head and close your eyes and take a deep breath, and would you think back over this last week, and would you say, God, thank you for being at work in this. And I say, amen. And Lord, would you keep us awake, keep us alert to the fact that you are at work and Jesus is alive. And not only is he alive, he's alive in us. God, would you keep us awake as we just read to the hidden things, the secret plan. Lord, it's revealed when we have eyes to see. It's revealed when we go back and say, that's not coincidence. That's not our strength. It's not just mere happenstance. Lord, it's not by accident that we're here. It's not by accident that we are who we are. We're here because 
you made us and you love us and you're every moment inviting us. Let us be awake. Let us not be burdened and confused by the secret, but may you lead us into light and see that you are good and faithful and we can trust you and love you. Thanks for the rain and the reminder that you flood our hearts when we're dry and weary. Thanks for the rain that reminds us that you can bring us into new life. And thanks for the reminder that when the rain is overwhelming, you're sheltered from the storm. I ask for those gathered here that you would be for them who you need to be for them in this moment. Father, these dear sons and daughters that you know by name and call beloved, pray that we would be wake to it. We love you. We thank you for these moments. We ask your blessing on them. We know your presence is here. Would we be awake to it? In the name of King Jesus, amen. 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 A lot of people say the Lord works in mysterious ways. And what they mean by that is He's hard to see, He's hard to find, He's hard to grasp, and a lot of times it's hard to see what He's up to, especially when it looks so scary out there. And when I think about how the Lord works, and when I think about this passage where Paul calls something that the Lord has worked a mystery, I think about, well, I think about the sixth sense. Y'all are probably tired of me talking about this movie. I talked about the sixth sense at Easter. Well, I'm going to talk about the sixth sense again because when I think about a mystery, when I think about a secret plan, I also think that the Lord doesn't just work in mysterious ways or secret ways that we can never find out. Paul tells us it's been revealed. And I think about the sixth sense because nobody expected when they went into the theater 20 years ago, the twist Big reveal at the end of that movie. It was just a so-so, okay ghost story. But when the big reveal happened, an okay, so-so ghost story becomes a great ghost story. And no one saw it coming. If twist endings were popular in Paul's day, instead of mystery or secret plan, he may have said, this is a great twist ending. This is a huge big reveal. And it makes God's plan that was pretty good and nice for one people, Israel, all of a sudden, everything has changed. And this good plan has become a great plan. And the mystery we're going to see tonight is that God's people and God's plan was always bigger than one nation. It was for the whole world. And it was a mystery that was kept hidden for some time. But the good news is, we live on the other side of the mystery. And it's been revealed, the curtain's been pulled back, and God says, my arms and my reach extend much farther than you ever imagined. My love is bigger than you could ever let yourself believe. And I'm inviting all the wrong folks in. And that is a really great ending. But really we're going to see it's just the beginning. It's a beginning for Paul. It was a twist ending in his life that led him to write these verses in Ephesians chapter 3. This is a great and optimistic letter. If you look at the very beginning of this chapter, it's been a while since we've been in Ephesians, but we're reminded in the first verse of chapter 3 that the reason that I, Paul, 
am a prisoner for Christ Jesus is for the sake of you Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Israelites. Read, not God's people. We're reminded in the first verse of chapter 3 that Paul, who was a Jew, not a Gentile, is in prison. And we're reminded that Paul writes this beautiful letter, this optimistic letter, in prison. We don't know which prison, but I want to remind you that our whole focus on Ephesians, our whole focus for this series that we began at the beginning of the year and we've just taken a break from, is this big, optimistic, beautiful view, a ski lift view, view from the top of what God has done in Christ. But then it also gives us, toward the end of this letter, the ground level view of how we can live in Christ. And we see it every place along the way. There's nothing that God has done to save us or show us how to live apart from what He's done in Christ. Ephesians is about life in Christ. Ephesians is optimistic. And Ephesians was written when Paul had every reason not to be optimistic. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Before he tells us why he's a prisoner, I want to stop for just a moment and say, how could he say anything good about God's plan when he's reminded as he's writing or dictating this letter that there's a chain that's keeping him imprisoned? And it makes me wonder about my own life and I wonder how much my circumstances dictate my outlook on life. I wonder if I was in prison, if I, had, if I was separated from you all and the people I love, I wonder if I would write a big, beautiful, sweeping letter of what it means to be in Christ and to be awake to life in Christ. I wonder if as soon as I start to praise God, I hear the clink of the chain and I say, forget this. And when Bob Hyatt was here that I talked about earlier, he says, we all know that we grow more in times of struggle than in times when things are going well. Can you learn to look at trials and tribulations, jail or otherwise, if not with joy as James encourages us, then at least with the view that, watch, God can use those trials for your maturing. He said, in ministry and in life, everything is formation if we treat it as such. So here's the problem. When we hear the chain clink, when we hear the doctor say this, when we hear our bosses say that, our spouses say this, our children say that, we can say, why, God? And Bob helped our leaders remind us, and I'm thinking of Paul in jail, say, why, God, is the wrong question. What? God, can you do in this is the right question. We want to go around and hear the rain and the floods and the storm and say, why God? And you come and ask the pastor, is God behind it? Is he causing it? Is he allowing it? In scriptures, it's a mixed bag. And I could tell you all the right things and give you books to read, but I think we should start back and say, are we asking the right question? In life and in ministry, everything is formation if you're asking the right question. 
Do we treat it as such? The reason Paul can write with excitement, he gets excited in the next few verses about God's plan and how God has called him. The reason he gets excited is because he keeps his eyes on Jesus, not his circumstances. When I think about our church and the challenges, when I think about your lives and I'm praying for you, I don't want to focus solely on the circumstances. I want to focus on Jesus and what he can do about it. And the problem is we can sit in our living rooms, in our coffee shops, and we can talk for hours about all the crap that we're dealing with. But would we shift our view and say, you know what, maybe Jesus, I can talk to you for hours until I can see the good that you can work in it. That's the shift. That's why Paul can write a letter that says, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's why he can say in a few verses, the king's wealth is exorbitant. That's why Paul can say, church, do you realize that Christ is in you and you are in him? Do you realize that the people you're sitting next to are in Christ and together you are Christ to the world? The body of Christ, the hands and feet of of Christ. And Paul can say that when he hears the chain. And in case you think that Paul is some pie in the sky idealist that just wants to ride the ski lift and talk theology and grandiose unseen things, come back in the fall when we pick Ephesians back up after a few weeks and you're going to see that it has everything to do with the way you love your spouse, your family, your co-workers, your children, the people in this church. It has everything to do with the words you say. It has everything to do with the steps you take. It has everything to do with, yes, even the darkness in the world around you. Paul is not some pie-in-the-sky idealist. Paul doesn't have his head in the clouds. He has his head squarely fixed on the cross of Jesus. And when we let our circumstances dictate our reality and not Jesus dictate our reality, that's when we begin to let the chains define us more than the freedom we have in Christ. And that's why I want to stop and camp out in this long intro with one verse that has nothing even to do yet with the mystery of Christ. I want to sit with the mystery that Christ is enough and He is in us and we are in Him. But we've got to be awake to it. Because a truck's just a truck until Raquel prays for it and waits for it. And a shirt's just a shirt unless we're praying for the strength of Jesus to come underneath and carry Amanda and her family. And your life is just your life unless you're awake and aware to the fact that there is more going on than meets the eye. Your relationships are just your relationships until you're awake to the fact that Christ is in you, beckoning you, inviting you to take your eyes off the chain and put your eyes on Him. And when you put your eyes on Him, you can see that other person through Him. You can see your work through Him. You can see your relationships that are strained and broken and see Christ in your midst. In Russia, I think the Wiley West folks are clued into this. There's a group of pastors that meet together for prayer and encouragement. 
and they're an orthodox group, but they say something really beautiful. Instead of saying, what's up, y'all, like we do in Texas, they say, Jesus among you. And instead of, I'm doing all right, the brothers and sisters say, He is and will be. So Jesus among you, He is and will be. Jesus among you in the prisons of your life, He is and will be. Jesus among you in the darkness in your heart, He is and will be. Jesus among you when light and living water flow in, He is and He will be. Jesus among you when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is and will be. Jesus among you when you come to this place beat down, bedraggled, tired, having no idea what you're going to do when you get up out of this seat because the words I said didn't fix you. Jesus will be and always will be among you and Jesus can fix you. He may not do it in the way you want. He may not do it when you want. But Jesus among you, He is and will be. And I think the mystery that we just actually need to rest in is that He is at work when we don't think He's at work. When things are going poorly, we don't need to say, why Jesus? We say, what Jesus? What are you doing? What are you forming in me? What are you calling me to that I'm resisting? I think a question, instead of asking Jesus why, maybe you should ask yourself, why am I continuing to do the things I'm doing? Why am I continuing to do this and expecting different results? Why am I so tired Why am I so beaten down? And the question that is haunting me is, why am I not living in joy and trust that Christ is enough? Why am I continuing to come on Saturdays and come on Wednesdays? Why am I continuing to endure this relationship? Why am I continuing to hold on to that bitterness? Why am I continuing to let my circumstances determine my reality? Why am I not resting in Jesus who has said, beloved? Why am I listening to the voices that say, you're not enough, you're no good, Why am I listening to the chains that are clinking? Why am I not hearing the voice of the Father say, you are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. With you I'm well pleased. Quit working, start resting. It's a mystery. And I think that that's just going to be it for now. I have a whole outline and lots of fun stories and points that I'm sure would be brilliant but maybe we can do those another time. Because I just need to sit with the mystery that Jesus is enough and He will never run out of what I need. Jesus will never run out of what I need. And what I need is Him in these moments. So I want to pray. 
And I want to give space for you to pray. And maybe you'd have a gift of a question for him. And maybe he'd give you a gift of an answer. Or maybe he'd give you the gift of silence. And maybe he would just give you the gift of uh, embrace. And if not tonight, would you try him tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day? Because I don't want to be a church that's defined by the chain. I want to be a church that's defined by our king. I don't want to be a church that's defined by whatever transition we've come through or the challenges we face ahead. I want to be defined by Jesus. I don't want my relationship with Amy to be defined by our five-year anniversary coming up, the 11 years we've spent together, the fun things we like to do together. I want to be defined by Jesus among us. He will be and will always be. Let's talk to Jesus. Let's meet him in the bread and the wine. And let's talk about Ephesians 3 some other time. Sound good? Let's pray. Almighty Father, Lord of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. May your kingdom come and your will be done in my heart. May your kingdom come and your will be done in my family. May your kingdom come and your will be done in my spheres of relationships. May your kingdom come and your will be done in our church. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus Christ, Son of God, abide in me. Jesus Christ, Son of God, may we abide in you. Jesus Christ, Son of God, may we hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. And Jesus, keep us from overcomplicating it. Jesus, may we see you. Keep us from overcomplicating it. Keep us from thinking we're not doing it right. Would you in your grace take more steps than we can take toward you? Take more steps toward us than we can take toward you. Jesus, could we see you not as a boss to work for, but a shepherd to walk with? Holy Spirit, breath of God, renew me in all the world. Holy Spirit, voice of truth, cast out the lies in my head. Holy Spirit, voice of truth, cast out the darkness in my heart. Holy Spirit, uniting power, help our church, lead us to the cross. 
Would we see suffering as a canvas for you to work and pull beauty out of ugliness? Would we see the trials that we face in our relationships and work as opportunities for life and formation? Holy Spirit, breath of God, make us more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, power of God, dwell within this place that we would be a light to the world and the communities around us. That we would be a light to each other. just want to close again with the psalm as you just take these moments to rest and abide The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Amen. Let's rest in another mystery that Jesus, who was in the very nature of God, the form of God, did not count equality with God, something to be held onto or exploited, but he made himself nothing. And he took the very form of the servant, and he became obedient, obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's for this reason that God has exalted him high above all rulers and authorities and powers and dominions, and he seated him in his right hand so that every knee should bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And we should have this same mind among us. So we come to the table in the mystery that Christ is in us and working and walking and never leaving us. And so we look to the body, we look to His obedience, we look to His service and we say, make us obedient, make us servants. And would we come to You and fix our eyes on You We remember the blood that was shed that forgives us when we don't feel forgiven. So we ask that if you are in Christ, that you would come and savor the bread, savor the juice, and remember that He has not given up on you. And I pray that you would just have had a moment and a glimpse of Jesus tonight. 
And you wouldn't just let it stop here, but that you would take him with you and you would take him with you as you laugh and talk in the car, as you lie your head down and remember that he's the one that wants to make you lie down in green pastures where you'd want to, as a sheep, go and run and eat it all up. (laughs) He gives you rest. So will we rest in him, come to the table, as those who rest together in the name of our King. Amen. Would you come?